Welcome to the LAR Ed Tech Hour Teaching Practice Podcast, where we explore the experiences of Okanagan College instructors associated with their day-to-day teaching practice. So today we're joined by Terry Height, chemistry prof here at the Kelowna campus where we are recording. So welcome, Terry. Thanks, Carl. It's great to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you today because I know that over the past year and a half, you've been doing some interesting things. The first part of that was the online teaching environment, which you survived and excelled in. And then more recently, you're doing face-to-face classes. But I think you brought some of the lessons that you learned from your online teaching into this face-to-face environment. So I'd really appreciate if you could tell me a bit more about that. Sure. Thank you. Yeah. So the online environment was great in that I learned new tools. And then when we came back in person, I was able to use sort of the best of those tools in face-to-face classes. And so what are some of these, these new tools that you're bringing in that were particularly effective? Well, I'm always trying to make the classroom more engaging, more learner-centered. So I, my goal is to have students do the work as much as possible with me helping them through or guiding them or scaffolding them and things like that. And I had a lot of online material prepared and co- with colleagues and such as yourself, Carl, with H5P activities where I would set up these activities and quizzes and homework that the students would have to do before class. And it was, they haven't covered it. We haven't covered it yet in class. It would be totally fresh for them. They haven't seen it for, well, some of them, it's the first time seeing it is on their own for homework. And they'd have some easy quizzes on it. And then when they came to class the next day, they'd be primed for the material. Uh, That's the goal anyways. They'd be primed and then we'd have a about 15, 20 minute kind of rundown or example problem that I would go through them in front of with them if there's any questions. And then it'd, it'd be all on the students for the most part. They'd be practicing questions, test type questions or theory type questions that they normally, we might not be able to get to that level if it was just the lecture style because they'd be learning it for the first time, maybe deer in the headlights, eyes open, learning it. They haven't seen it before, but here they've, they've been primed with it so they can actually work through the questions. And we do that in groups for the most part, in twos or three, threes or fours primarily, or with poster paper where they're standing, getting the blood moving, and they'd be teaching each other. It was, it was really great. So we had these online materials prepared that they access through Moodle, H5P activities, they're primed, they did quiz on it, and then they're practicing questions. I call it training uh, when they come to class. So, so that, that sounds fantastic. I'd really like if you could just give us a, a window into that classroom. So I, if I were to come and visit your classroom after you've done that little intro problem and I come in, what is your classroom looking like? So normally the students would we'd break away into groups of three or four. And we'd have, say, a poster paper or a very big piece of paper. With the poster paper, we'd, they would tape it up on the wall. And I would give them uh, another piece of paper with, with some question or, or scaffolding that they'd have to follow. And they'd work through it in groups. And they'd teach each other. And I would make the groups ahead of time. Uh, sometimes there'd be some self-selection. But 
I try to have a strong student and mixed with weak students so that we'd see this kind of teaching between them. And they'd be working through this. And sometimes they'd spend half an hour on, on a question, but it might cover a lot of topics or that sort of thing. And after about, they'd be engaged for about 45 minutes, they could be in this one topic. Uh, it's, it's, they're talking about it, they're, they're asking questions, that sort of thing. And I've tried this before, pre-COVID, and students just, did, many of them did not like group work. This year, most of them really enjoyed uh, the format. Well, th that last comment is quite interesting. So prior to COVID, you felt like the students were not liking the work so much, the group work, this sort mm -hmm. of format. Mm -hmm. What do you think might have changed that brought more acceptance of this particular technique, more engagement in this technique? Yeah, I think priming them ahead of time gave them the, some efficacy of that they knew the material, that they knew what was going on, that they could actually talk about it. They weren't seeing something for the first time. They've had quizzes on it. Also, I have individual plus group quizzes. So there, there's this motivation that they have to work together in groups uh, to, to do a quiz. Can you tell us yeah. a little bit more about those quizzes? Yeah, so I every week or so, uh, usually every week or every other week, we have a a quiz, a class quiz. They'd spend 20 minutes writing it individually. And then we'd take all the individual quizzes, put them in a pile, and then they'd break away into their in groups of four. And they would write the exact same quiz in in their group of four. And it, the I would take a weighted average of their mark. So 75% would be their individual mark, 25% would be the group mark. And they were very engaged. They're we they talk about it they teach each other and it wouldn't be like one person's just writing the whole quiz they might be writing it but they're teaching others or the others are telling them they're basically explaining what they do as they go through it so that's been a, a huge benefit and they they've learned to really work with each other and get to know each other's names so every class now they they know the drill we're going to go through an example problem and that it's they're up they're going to be working through something and they're motivated to do that because they know they're gonna, it's going to be staring at them in a quiz in a couple of days. Yeah, so Terry, thank you for explaining all that. I'm, I'm curious to know if you can compare to a class that you might have taught prior to COVID, um, maybe more traditionally, and now this different model. How, to what level do you think the students are learning the subject matter, which, of course, in this case is chemistry? Do you, do you sense that there's a, a difference in the, the level of their understanding? Yeah, I think to answer that question, it also depends on the students as well. Because I use this same model with a different cohort that they had the prereqs on paper, but in the classroom they were just really not ready for a first-year chemistry class uh, compared to, say, another general chemistry class that I taught. And I had a few cl classes that it didn't go very well at all. They were apparently were supposed to be primed, but there was other material. There's major confusion during some of these activities, and uh, it, I had to go back to more lecture-based as well. So if it's timed right and you and the students are ready to receive the material, they have that prereqs for it, and then they can be engaged in class with the material that they're supposed to learn. I think it's greater benefit compared to just straight lecture style where I may see students falling asleep or texting on their phone or looking bored or that sort of thing. Um, but uh, it's got to be timed right. Uh, so with the other that class where the students weren't ready, I 
still had, I've still had engaging activities, but I needed to step back and do more lecture style in order to help bring them in and, and kind of keep the, kind of keep the content moving along. I'm really glad that you brought that in. So it sounds like even if you were to plan that you're going to use a certain model in a classroom and you start off, you need to see how well the students are responding to that. And if you need to make an adjustment, perhaps to give more support to students, and sometimes that support comes from actually doing a guided lecture, that you'll need to make that adjustment. Is that correct? Yes, and that has happened about two or three times at least this term. Uh, I think two or three times where I had an activity and I thought, okay, it'll take them about a half an hour. I got to have a backup plan. I, and they, they, there's all the, there's videos I, and quizzes I had for that. So I assumed if they watched the videos, they'd be ready for it. And then I give them the activity and 30 minutes in, everybody's asking me for questions. They don't know how to start. They're totally confused. They're telling me that they're, uh, they, they don't know why I'm giving them this type of material. And so, yeah, there is, there is some kind of some learning experiences, I would call it, <laughs> with it. Uh, you really need to time it right. Try and guess what they're capable of for the material. So how much you can let them go on their own versus how much you should be up there kind of lecture style teaching them. Yeah, so I really appreciate your frankness in this. So when we engage in this sort of active learning model and we can plan as much as we want, sometimes it's not always going to turn out exactly as we anticipated. And we have to be agile in our teaching and respond to it as needed be. There's a lot more risk taking then yeah. in this approach, but it sounds mm -hmm. like you're, you're, you're daring and willing to plunge in for, for the benefit of greater en engagement with the students. So Terry, one of the things that you're telling me about is that sometimes you'll present certain uh, learning scenario for students, but you'll see that they're actually starting to struggle a little bit too much and, and to the point where they might start to get discouraged. And, and so what, what are the steps then that you take to, to help support them under those, those difficult challenges? Yeah, thanks, Carl. That, it's a fine balance, I think, for letting students struggle with a problem but not giving them something that's too complicated. And when they work in groups, they can usually figure out a problem that's a little bit more complicated than they can individually. And it's really based on who the students are and what class they're in. And sometimes there's no way to know than to just go out and do it. Uh, like with the one, this one class where the students weren't prepared, I, I wanted to give them a challenging problem that covered a number of, of unit of dimensional analysis type problems kind of together type concepts concepts together and I thought that if in a group they would be able to tease it out that sort of thing but it actually caused the students a lot of stress and even some higher performing students they weren't able to get it that well and it was it was I was blown back by it. I was confused because I didn't know why they couldn't understand this problem. Uh, but I guess they just, yeah, they just, they just weren't, weren't ready for it, I guess. So I had to, the next class, go back. The students tell me if things are working or not, especially if they're standing uh, or, and they're moving, they're active, that sort of thing. And it's, uh, it's almost, 
sometimes it seems like it's a waste of a class if it's too complicated. Uh, but at the same time, you don't want to be giving students really easy problems because that's not going to benefit them uh, in their learning and on the exam as well. And I, I, I think it's a benefit to struggle over a problem and to kind of sweat over a problem and, and to, and, and it's good for your self-efficacy to overcome that problem and to learn from it. Uh, but at the same time, we have a time limit and they need to, yeah, kind of work together and there's only one of me and they have to be able to figure it out on the, on their own. So there's, there's quite a balance there. And if you don't hit that balance, then you just got to adjust it for the next class. And yeah, so you've articulated really well the challenges of trying to uh, set up these active learning situations, which really can go any way. Sometimes they can be really positive and sometimes uh, they can seem to fall off the deep end and you feel, am I wasting class time? And I, I don't want the students to get too confused and you want to provide that sufficient support for them. Uh, so it's, it's one of the challenges and, and takes that really agile kind of teaching approach to be able to respond to the student's needs. So I really admire the, the risk-taking that you are engaged in in trying to find those engaging uh, methodologies for the student. In this type of a classroom, they got to be awake and alive and talking and interacting and having a conversation with other people that they don't really know that well. So it's more of like a professional uh, conversations that they're having about the material. When students graduate from university, there's often employers often cite a lack of soft skills, those essential skills. And here we're trying to, this classroom's also trying to build those softs, those essential skills, and teach the material at the same time. So I think it's an ongoing, an ongoing learning experience. Yeah, one uh, of the things that you said prior to this interview to me was that it'd be just so much easier if I could just stand up in front of the students <laughs> and, and rattle off my PowerPoint. And, and you're right, it would be easier. Um, but it sounds like you're really trying to go for that deep learning, and I quite admire that. So thank you very much, Terry. Yeah, thank you, Carl. Thank you.